Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is God Rocks. And I'd like you to turn to Joshua chapter 3. It's at the very beginning of your Bible if you get the Old and New Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua. Joshua chapter 3. Some of the context here, if you go back and read this, God has gotten his people out of Egypt. The bunch that came out doubted, didn't believe, headed to the promised land. They sinned. God said, you won't see the promised land. This whole generation has to die. 40 years of wondering. Finally, everybody who needs to die, dies. And now even Moses dies. And as the scripture says, God literally buried Moses. Nobody knew where Moses was buried. That probably was an interesting moment. And then Joshua is the one that's supposed to take people into the promised land. And I'm not talking about this today, but let me tell you what is unfortunate about church and about stuff Sometimes some people have to die before things move because some people get in the way so much. And my prayer is, and you know, if I drop dead this afternoon, please don't say, well, I guess that's what happened. So, man, it could be. But unfortunately, in this case, some people didn't believe and they didn't believe so much. They literally had to be gone before God could accomplish what he was going to accomplish. So all that's done. And these people know now, finally, they were 20 years and younger when all this went down and they've been stuck out there with their unbelieving parents for 40 years and now they're 40 something years old themselves. They're going in and their kids are going in and they're finally gonna see this promised land. They're on the east side of the Jordan. Two and a half of the tribes have already landed on what is theirs and this river split one of the tribes land and about 40,000 troops were gonna cross as you'll see here in a minute in front of this bunch to go in and help them and still had to fight, still had to struggle to get the land. It was theirs though. And I'm gonna say maybe some rambling things today. God has promised us a lot of stuff and I'm not talking about tangible stuff necessarily, but you got to fight to get that stuff. It's not a lay down. You say, well, God told me something and it's mine. You know what? Well, go get it. A promised land is something you have to cross into, and they had enemies. They had to fight literal battles. You say, well, I didn't know it was going to be about all this. You have to fight. You have to believe. You have to march on the enemy. The gates of hell won't prevail against you, but you can't sit on your butt and go, well, bring it, God. Here I am. Knock me out. You know, some things he does bring to you, but some things he brings you through and has you moving someplace. So let me just jump in here and start reading this. Joshua chapter three, verse one. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. Now I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of people. This is not a couple thousand people and let's cross a river. We're talking about a massive crossing of tons of people. 
So it was after three days, the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. And that was the presence of God, this Ark of the Covenant, this chest contained God's presence to them. And it was, you touched it, you died. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. You need to watch where it's going because you don't know where you're going. Do you see this? Keep your eye on the presence of God, on God, because you haven't been this way before. You've been wandering around for 40 years out here in this deal. We're going somewhere new. You don't know anything about this. So keep your eye on God himself and see where he's taking you or you won't know where you're going. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. So this chest is moving. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Now, the challenge I have reading the Bible and going through all this stuff, I've been reading this junk forever. Since I was a little kid, Bible stories, Bible stories, Bible stories. Read it, seminary, You're supposed to read your Bible. So I can tell you all these stories. Don't ever get away from the reality that this is unbelievable. Pick any river, just pick you some river that's flowing, flood stage, and say to yourself, well, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna walk up to the edge of this river and I'm gonna step in it. And when I step in it, the water's gonna part. I'll go with you, I'll watch. Man, you got to have some game for that. Now you say, well, I didn't say that would happen. He told me to go do it and then it would happen. Now it's all on him. So Joshua's been told to tell them what to do. So they say, okay, we'll do what you say. But you know what? What people watch for is what if God doesn't come through? Well, he's going to look pretty stupid, isn't he? What if God doesn't come through? What if I do what God said to do and he doesn't come through? Now he looks stupid and I look stupid. I don't want to look stupid. So you know what? I'm staying way away from that water. And Joshua says, this is what he said to do. And they said, yes, sir. And people start obeying and start moving. Now look what happens. Tells them, when you come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites, all these ites, they're gonna be gone. <laughs> now see, these people knew there's a promised land, but there are enemies in the land. And I think God knew and gave Joshua a word for these people so that they would know it's gonna be scary. You want us to go in there and run all these people off and fight and kill them and take this land. But you know what? How are we going to be sure? He says, I'm going to show you something. Sometimes God shows you something very dramatic way before you get to that promised land, that battlefield, so that you can go back in your mind and say, okay, this is tough, but I know what he did. 
Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off the waters that come down from upstream and they shall stand as a heap. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and I love at least what my translation says here, and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water. Whoever was on the front of that deal goes, here we go. Dip your foot in the edge of the water and something's about to happen, supposedly. And whatever happened is extraordinary because the water parted. And you say, well, I don't believe that. You know what? Then you're going to be stuck in the mud till Jesus comes or you drop dead. Because sooner or later, you got to start believing that this God can do what he says he can do and what he's already done. Now, the thing that is so cool to me about this is it is literally, we talk about taking a step of faith, Right? you got to take a step. They could have stood there their entire lives on the edge of that water, staring at the water, but God said, it's not going to part till you put your feet in it. Well, I'm afraid I don't want to put my feet in it. Well, it's not deep. That's not the problem. If I put my feet in it, what if nothing happens? Quit worrying about God's job. It's not your problem. Believe. Give him a shot. You're not going to find out till you take a step and let him part some water for you. And I'm telling you, once you see something big, something simple up front happen, after that first step, the next one gets a whole lot easier because you start going, well, wait a minute. If he can do that, I bet he can do that. Again, verse 15, as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. So God not only said you're going to cross the Jordan, he picked a time to take him across. It was flood stage. We're not parting a creek here. We're parting a flood stage river so that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaraton. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stirred firm on dry ground. Now this is what has cooled me. It's a riverbed. God didn't just say, well, I'm going to part the water and hope you got your boots on. He says, I'm going to part the water and I'm going to give you some dry ground to walk across, which is another miraculous thing. You can't pull that off without some time until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Chapter four, verse one. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one from every tribe, and command them saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan. I want you to find 12 stones out in the middle of this river, which nobody could see. They were covered usually by the river. 12 stones from here in the midst of the Jordan from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. Go out where they stood and pick 12 stones. Each of you get one and carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. 
Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? I got me one today. I got me a stone. This is a tangible rock. Something I can look at, something I can remember. And God told Joshua, he said, tell them all to go get them a rock. Carry it on their shoulder, come down and put it down and pile them up. He said, well, what difference does a pile of rocks mean? Those are God rocks. And kids are going to come on and go, daddy, what's up with those 12 rocks? What's that about? Oh, sit down, I'll tell you a story. Really? I stood in my kitchen a few days ago, my little tribe. And God had provided something specifically for my three girls that I wasn't sure where it was going to come from. There was a blessing to me for them, for my wife, for them. And we did this together. And I showed them what had happened. And we stood there a minute and acknowledged that God rocks. And that daddy didn't make that happen and mama didn't make that happen. But God had done something because he cares about them. I want some places along the way where my children remember when they get to their rivers and there's no way that even if they weren't there when I crossed my rivers and don't understand those, I can point to Apollo rocks and say, well, this is what happened to daddy. You're gonna have to find out for yourself. But I got stories. I got rocks. I got memories. So Joshua gets these 12 men Verse six, that this day may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood and they are there to this day. So the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua and the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people and the men of Reuben, the men of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses had spoken to them about 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, in other words, the shore, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed its banks as before, just like that. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they camped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. 
And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord God did to the Red Sea. And see, they had heard stories, but they hadn't seen it. When they came out of Egypt, the Red Sea parted. Moses put his staff in it. Boom, the waters part, and here they go. They'd done this once before. Now they got their own story. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all, now this is the point, verse 24. What is the point? Why did he part the Red Sea? Why did he part the Jordan? Why does this stuff happen? What are the rocks for? That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now what is going on in your life? What kind of rocks you got? What kind of God rocks you got? What do you got to hold up and say, you know what? This is why, this is what God has done in my life and what everybody sees me and knows. This is what is so completely different that all the peoples that know me, all the peoples that know the hand of the Lord, that he is mighty. This is unexplainable. And that you may fear the Lord your God forever. They see how mighty he is and you fear the Lord forever. That's what I'm talking about when God rocks your life. Another person shared about Something simple as quitting drinking. You know what? I don't even know if I could try to get drunk. I just have a hard time, like beer, I have a hard time drinking anything that looks the same way going in as it does coming out. That has always bothered me. It's just a personal thing. I just, that my brain doesn't allow for that. He said, well, are you saying nobody should drink? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you're drinking and it's destroying your life and you begin to pray and say, God, change something. Everybody around you knows you're a disaster and you can't hold your liquor and you've had wrecks and you've got DWIs and DUIs and whatever eyes you can get. And it's a problem. And you find yourself in a closet somewhere crying out to God himself, help me. And God delivers you. God parts the waters. God changes your life and you're sober and you're clean. You raise a hand and say, I got me a rock. And everybody around you goes, you know what? Nothing could do this. Nobody could get him sober, keep him sober. Nobody could change his life. Something happened to this guy. What is it? God must be mighty. That's the only explanation. You say, well, I'm a good person. You know what? Enough already with good people. We don't need more good people. We need godly people. We need people whose lives bring honor and glory to God, not to us. So what, you're a good guy. I got plenty of people I know that are good guys. They're moral, ethical, legal. You know, they're doing all the stuff. They just absorb all the glory. God gets nothing and they don't need God. I'm looking for somebody who goes, you know what? I was lost, I got found. I was blind, I can see. I was dead, I'm alive. And people go, wow, dude, that's amazing. How'd that happen? Show me some unexplainable stuff in your life where God can get some glory. You say, well, I think he's been trying to get me to this or that or quit this or that or whatever. And I'm just right here. I'm just right there. I can see the water. I can see myself in the water. And he says, well, are we going to stand here forever or are you going to put your feet in it? Because the rocks are out there in the middle of that river. You can't be getting any of those rocks and piling them up on the other side unless you get in the river right here. I should have been a black preacher. You know what I got? 
because I got me some well rolling up in here. I'm going to get me some DNA. I got to have at least one sixteenth somewhere. I'm telling you, I got one sixteenth something. You got to turn your millstones into milestones. Well, yes, sir. There we go. Getting stones along the way is not the same as getting stoned along the way. There's another one. You know what? I'm just tired of explaining all this stuff away religiously. I'm tired of all our goodness. I need some genuine losers that start winning. And everybody goes, this is not possible. It couldn't happen without God. Just a few, I guess it's maybe one verse, it looks like, in Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan, where they're headed, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over. Not just he divided them, but they heard that everybody got over and then it came back. That their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. We got no power against these people. Let me tell you something, I got no power. You got no power. You got power? You got it somewhere else. These people had nothing without God. But with God, there is nothing that's not possible. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. Let's pray. First of all, Lord, I just got to tell you, just a couple of things that have been shared here today helped me a lot. Man, it's just people moving. It's people stepping in the water. It's people getting some rocks, piling them up, saying, this is what God did. That stuff helps me know that there is hope. Man, this stuff's hard, Lord. And you're asking us to believe you for impossible stuff. And, you know, we kind of believe, but yet we get some help, our unbelief in the mix. We do believe it's possible, Lord, but yet you know deep down inside that most of us are afraid. We hate our sin, but yet we love it or we wouldn't be doing it. We hold on to our little blankies and suck our thumb and act like little children. We won't give our stuff up. And yet this whole world of you and living by faith and genuine life and experiencing this abundant life, not just some life, but a full life, an abundant life, and yet we won't let go. We stand and look at the water rush by. There's got to be somebody listening today, Lord, who doesn't know you and is just done, just tired of being stuck, tired of carrying their own load around, their guilt, their shame, their fear, their doubts, their uncertainty about dying and not knowing where in the world or in heaven or hell they'd end up. May somebody today, Lord, who gets it finally just say, okay, God, I get it. You're God, I'm not. I've been trying to be in control. I am out of control. 
I cannot fix me. I don't even know who I am. You made me. You got to do something. And supposedly, and I do believe this now, Jesus came to earth. You, God and a man, lived a sinless life. They strung him up on a cross, nailed him to a cross. He spilled blood for me. They buried him. You raised him from the dead. He's paid my debt. He died where I should have died. He paid my way. So I accept his payment in my behalf. I accept the forgiveness of my sins, as crazy as that sounds, that that is even possible. I'm asking you, God, to give me a clean slate, wipe it out, my whole past, wipe it out. I understand there may be some consequences, but I need to be clean, God. I am tired of feeling dirty and living dirty. So forgive me. I accept that forgiveness. I accept this gift of eternal life that Jesus bought and paid for with his own life. Come live in me. Holy Spirit, fill me from the inside out to absolute overflowing to everybody around me. And help me not be some crazy religious person. Help me genuinely just learn how to walk with you and talk with you and follow you and do the deal the way you intended it. And change my life and my family and my world, everybody I come in contact with. And may they see, Lord, such a dramatic change that they say, you are a mighty God. And may the result be in my own life that I fear you in a good way, in a reverent way. Respect you for who you are and seek to obey you and please you. And Father, for those of us who have already done that and just sitting on our butts on the wrong side of the river, may we cross over today and get us some God rocks so that the world can see that truly God rocks in our lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talks sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us, richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.